0: Welcome to Wayfarer. It's Wednesday of Holy Week. On Sunday, we'll be shifting our themes of unlearning to the theme of learning life as we celebrate Jesus' resurrection. But as we follow Jesus through this last week, there's still suffering ahead. Jesus doesn't change his path. He continues welcoming the other into his fellowship and breaking down the barriers of class and of status. So, listen to your heart, Be attentive to the spark of the divine within you as we journey together.
1: you to respond with forgive us Jesus. So after I pray a sentence you can respond with forgive us Jesus. Let's pray. God we have sinned. We have not trusted you with our whole being. We have believed the lies that are beyond grace. We have believed the lies that others are too far gone for, for redemption. In our shame, we have lashed out. We have held others at arm's length. We have hardened our hearts. But you sit down next to us and strike up a conversation. You know all our secrets. And you welcome us with open arms. Amen.
2: pressed and left his face haloed like the moon My bones carried me away to the only treasure I knew This box oh I smooth inside the sweet scent of the east. I will offer you these years of labor for a moment spilled at your feet. They railed at my weak condition, wasteful and obscene. But love stole all my inhibition, left unstable tendencies. Despite so wide and smooth inside the sweet scent of the east. I will offer you these years of labor for a moment spilled at your You're like a fire burning up this night, I don't know what came over me, everything wanes in your warm light, and all I have is at your feet. All I have is at your feet All I have is at your feet All I have is at your feet This box so oh, wide. inside the sweet scent of the east i will offer you these years of labor for a moment spilled at your And left his face haloed like the moon.
0: Today, before our practice, we're going to hear a story from Carol Hodges, a longtime member of Central. Carol's been at Central since 1958 as a newly graduated nurse. She's served Central in many ways over the years, and today she's going to share a story about loss in her life and the support of friends and her faith family in the midst of death's shadow. Carol's story reminds us that though the scars of our losses linger with us, there's also the possibility of hope and renewed life in the wake of our griefs. Here's Carol.
3: I'm Carol Hodges, and I've been at Central since 1958. I came here as a new graduate nurse, and... um, did not join Central until 1961. Um, In 1961, I met my husband, and he was very instrumental in uh, uh, encouraging me to join the church and be baptized. And we had children, um, 65 and 67, two boys, and we had wonderful church life and friends at Central, and they helped us grow. We were young, and I had a lot of older friends who were maybe 10 years older than I was, and they were very encouraging, and they mentored me until I became more (laughs) adult-like. Sam was married in 61, had the boys, Luke and Morgan, and in 1979 was the year of Sam's accident. And it, it was a tragedy in many ways. One, because he would have loved to have raised his children. And he still had many things in life he wanted to do. He'd practiced medicine already by that time, 20 years. And uh, he was, uh, but he still had things he wanted to do. And it was a beautiful spring day. And we had, uh, we got up and had breakfast. And it was his day off. And we sat around laughing and having fun. And, uh He said, I think I'll go to the lake today and just see what it's like. So he called a couple of people, and nobody was free to go. He never went by himself before. And he decided to go up to Cape Run, which is uh, between here and Ashland, off 64. Anyway, he went to the lake and pulled his boat, and we came to church. And when he went fishing, usually the time we came home from church... It so was on a Wednesday. Time we got home from church on Wednesday night, he'd be home. And so when I drove in and his car was not there in the boat, I thought, well, I wonder why he's running so late. So he didn't come. And by about seven thirty, maybe, I had a call from um, from the shore patrol or whatever they're called in, at the lake at Moorhead, and they said they asked for him. And I said, well, oh, he's in here. And then they said, well, we found his car parked at the the dock where the boat is put in and out. And we were able to get in the car and find out who it belonged to. But the boat is not here. And so I knew, I knew when I got that message that it could not be good news. It was really hard on my children. It was very hard. Morgan was 11 years old and Luke was 13. And during that time, uh, I had so many comforting people around me. And there were things that spring break was during that time. And I couldn't decide what to do. I didn't really think I should leave town. And I, my friends convinced me that for my children, I needed to go to Florida with other families. So three families caravan to Florida. And uh, uh, my friends took turns driving the car. I don't think they trusted me to drive. But anyway, the children all changed cars, and we drove to Florida. It's been a week, and we had sunrise service uh, on the beach uh, on that Easter morning when we were there. And now when I cross the causeway, and, uh, and I almost always remember that sunrise on the beach. So we came home, and the day after we got home, uh, my husband was found at the lake. And um, it was, we, by that time, there was such that three-week period of time was really difficult because the children still thought maybe their dad would be found alive. Maybe he was able to get out of the water, and maybe he was in the woods and different things. And the night he, the night Sam died, um, Bill Turner, um, Bill came to my house, and I still have visions of him. And I just asked Morgan a couple of days ago, I said, do you remember the night your dad died? Remember? We talked about Bill Turner. Bill sat in my bedroom upstairs in a rocking chair and rocked Morgan for life hours. And for six weeks after that, I had five or six women from this church, my very good friends, who came every day and stayed every day at my house, all day, for six weeks. And one member who was... um, part-time pastor of a small church in Kentucky, came every day. And he sat on the end of my sofa and just stayed there all day. And if there was anything we needed or wanted, he did that. And he did all the errands and everything we needed. And it was just such a wonderful thing to have. my All my family lived in Ohio, and my parents were both gone by that time. So it was uh, Central, but Central was there for me, and I can't tell you what that six weeks was like. I mean, just every day, we were there together, and and we cooked, and we ate, and we wrote thank you notes and various and sundry things. But it was a, like it was loving family, and all of those people are still all of, most all of them are still here at Central and they continued to mentor me uh francis and pat mary joe and connie and i mean it just goes on and on but anyway it's a wonderful caring loving group of people that became family to me and that was now 37 years ago and from all of that from all that encouragement and all that love they encouraged me to go on with my life, which I needed to do, and and they helped me they helped me in the future after after that six weeks was gone and we had to move on. And they've always been there for my children. And the Markhams and just so many people.
0: Thanks so much, Carol, for sharing your story with us. You know, we trust that Jesus understands our suffering and suffers alongside of us, but we also need the care and support of our sisters and brothers in the midst of our grief. This week, we're following Jesus through his last days of ministry before his death and resurrection. In the midst of rising tensions, Jesus continues to welcome those on the margins. So, as we listen to our scripture for today, you may want to find a word or phrase that shimmers and reflect on that, or you may want to use your imagination as if you were present with Jesus, or maybe you just want to focus on your breath. However you choose to respond is wonderful.
4: It was two days before Passover, and the Festival of Unleavened Bread. The chief priests and legal experts, through cunning tricks, were searching for a way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But they agreed that it shouldn't happen during the festival, otherwise there would be an uproar among the people. Jesus was at Bethany visiting the house of Simon, who had a skin disease. During dinner, a woman came in with a vase made of alabaster and containing very expensive perfume of pure nard. She broke open the vase and poured the perfume on his head. Some grew angry. They said to each other, why waste the perfume? This perfume could have been sold for almost a year's pay and the money given to the poor. And they scolded her.
3: How do you make trouble for her? She has done a good thing for me. You always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do something good for them, but you won't always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body ahead of time for burial. I tell you the
4: truth, that whenever in the whole world the good news is announced, What she's done will
3: also be told in memory of her. Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to give Jesus up to them. When they heard it, they were delighted and promised to give him money. So
4: he started looking for an opportunity to turn him in.
0: Wayfarer is a production of Central Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky. A loving, healthy, and progressive gathering of Christians where everyone is welcome. No exceptions. Find out more about Central at LexCentral.com. This episode was produced by me, Aaron Austin. Thanks to everyone who joined in. And thanks to you for listening. Join us tomorrow for another step along the journey.